0: This is Inside the FLX from FingerLakes1.com. I'm Ted Baker, and my guest is Ian Smith, who's the Seneca Watershed Steward based within the Finger Lakes Institute at Hobart and William Smith Colleges. It's been a while since we talked. Ian, welcome back. Good to talk to you again. Thanks for inviting me back. Good to be here. You worked on water quality issues in other parts of the country. What brought you to the Finger Lakes to continue that work here?
1: Well, i was really enticed here by by the community the beauty of it the the excitement within the stakeholders around the watershed to work towards a a common goal a lot of buy-in locally um and certainly excited by an opportunity to to build and expand upon swyo's mission and make it a uh a long lasting regional uh organization with with, that does good work you you mentioned that,
0: that go ahead i'm sorry
1: no, I said so that was super appealing and, and brought me here for sure.
0: Uh, you mentioned one acronym, and, and we'll uh, learn about a couple here. Uh, the first is FLI. Tell us about the Finger Lakes Institute at Hobart and William Smith.
1: Yeah, so the Finger Lakes Institute, it, it's based at the colleges here at, at, in Geneva. Um, it was started back in, I'm going to get this wrong, somewhere in the early 2000s. Um, so it, it focuses on a broad breadth of, of water quality concerns, whether those are Economical uh, research, um, political, social—it tries to to work in a broad range, broad range of uh, issues around water quality concerns with uh, a number of partners in academia and, and uh, obviously, given my position there within the local municipal realm as well.
0: And then the other, this is very important, SWIO, the Seneca Watershed Intermunicipal Organization, because this is what's given you buy-in for what you're doing—is that uh, almost all the communities around the lake have signed on to doing something about water quality.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the SWIO or Seneca Watershed Intermunicipal Organization, um, It grew out of a an old watershed management plan. Initially, the counties formed a partnership called SLAP5, but one of the recommended actions in the old watershed plan was to form a a municipal level. So cities, towns, uh, villages, getting them involved as well, especially since we're a home rule state here in New York. Um, so in 2015, SWIO was formed. And then in 2019, I came on to serve as the watershed steward and, the, and really the first sort of employee uh, for, for Swaya. So in that time, we've grown to cover, there are 45 municipalities in the watershed and then the village of Waterloo pulls water from Seneca Lake. So they're also part of the organization, even though geographically they're outside of that boundary. Um, and, and in that time, we've grown to include almost 30 um of those municipalities have joined on to participate so that's been exciting and we're, we're getting new members every year so our, our growth is is continuing as we as we continue to do good work
0: you've been working for years now on what's called a nine element watershed plan and this is a real action plan it's not meant to be a study that's going to go up on a shelf somewhere so tell us about the project the progress of the nine element plan and uh, what what are the next steps
1: yeah, so the 9E, we started that project the same day I started here. Um, and it's really what brought me here. So the, the 9E, it's a very similar framework to a different, um, watershed plan called a Team DL, which is what they're currently working on next door in Cayuga. but they both work the same way. They really build upon existing watershed strategies and they start to really get at quantitative, um, targets for improvement. So, and that's really why they've become de facto, um, planning tools for, uh, for planners, for grant, for funders. Um, one of the reasons that we're pursuing the 90 is it really increases our opportunity to access uh, grant funds to implement work. Um, so right now we are, we're at that finish line. We can see it. Um, we had a meeting yesterday and I'll be putting the, a recording of that meeting up on the SWIA website early next week. Um, we're at the part where we're, we're taking all the modeling tools we built as part of this project. We're taking a lot of the Feedback we got from the public from agencies like the soil water districts. And we're trying to, we're currently working on developing implementation plan to direct our efforts most efficiently and effectively as possible. So that's where we're currently at. And we're looking to have a complete draft 90 done here in early spring. And then we'll have a final meeting on uh, April 25th in pinyan. Uh, that'll give people an opportunity to provide direct feedback on that draft.
0: And this nine element plan is for Seneca and Cuca Lakes, because obviously the two are connected and they share a, a single watershed. So the first part of any kind of plan like this is identifying the problem. What have you identified as the key issues? And then we'll go into the steps of uh, trying to mitigate them.
1: Yeah, so the, the 9E is specifically in the tools built into it, the modeling tools is specifically designed to look at nutrients. So phosphorus and nitrogen, sediment, um, so there's those are the principal concerns, largely because they're the ones driving a lot of the, uh, the high profile concerns, such as harmful algal blooms. Um, but the 90s try to incorporate things beyond that as well. So that every, all, all concerns can kind of get in there, um, and help us access and do projects to, to, to address other concerns. Those could be things like salt. Um, they can be things like invasive species, um, you know, emerging chemicals concerns, certainly, uh, the Pi-4 alkalides made made news last year and now a new water quality standard in New York State, and we know the Seneca Army Depot was a source for those historically, so that's something we want to keep an eye on, of course. So we try to encompass everything, but the, the model itself is specifically designed for nutrients and sediment.
0: I'm looking at a page on the uh, the, the Nine Element plan. It's talking about Cuca Lake and the watershed TP load. What is that?
1: So TP refers to total phosphorus, the phosphorus comes in a lot of different forms. Um, obviously, as the name suggests, total includes all of them. Um, and that's what the, the model's been built around, because um, it's the data we have. But there are other things like dissolved phosphorus. Um, one of particular concern is all about reactive phosphorus. And right now, we don't have data to build that in the model. But again, the 9E is not designed to sit on the shelf. So we'll keep refining the tool and use it as a, as a management tool um, going forward. So hopefully, we'll be able to get more data and look at specifically at SRP, because it's a form of phosphorus that's immediately available to biological organisms. And there's a lot of thought that that's a particular form of phosphorus that's driving um, bloom
0: response. So what are some of the action items to start to turn this around?
1: So that is a long list of potential actions, um, but there are some there's some broad ones we've, we've identified. That apply at a watershed scale. Um, one thing is obviously capacity. Of course, um, you know there's limitations in our financial and staff capacity and equipment capacity to implement projects. So if we can grow that, we can do more work. Obviously, um, we've focused more on um, controlling transport than necessarily sources. Um, the, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, but one of the biggest ones is simply it's it's more adaptable, so we, it gives us a lot more flexibility to implement practices across the watershed and tailor them to where we can get work done because a lot of the practices are voluntary in nature, so we can't force them upon uh, people you know private landowners um but those are it increases our pool of people that are willing to work with us and develop systems to uh to do uh, improvements. We want to preserve systems that are already working really efficiently um so you can think of things like a, a wetland that may be on the landscape we want to make sure we don't lose those resources because they're already providing benefits and if they were to be converted or lost to some other land conversion we would lose those benefits immediately um, so we want to make sure we preserve this um, their coal benefits uh, during the during the um, the community outreach process you know there was a lot of Uh, additional things brought to the table, things like recreational access, um, you know, just preserving the the nature of the watershed, you know, the agrarian nature. So we try to build that into how we develop our strategy. Um, So there's, there's a huge number of practices, whether construction projects or educational projects, you know, a wide breadth of things that we can do. And that'll all be in the draft for people to see when we get it there.
0: I know one of the problems a lot of water bodies face is development pressure. Are we seeing that kind of pressure for for commercial or residential development along the lakes?
1: Yeah, so we as part of the project um Professor George France worked with us. He and his students did an analysis of of um the growth and the, the trends in the watershed throughout the past uh, couple decades. Um and obviously a lot of the a lot of the residential construction has been concentrated along the shoreline. Um and we've also we're also fairly unique, maybe unique in the entire nation, that we we've had a growth in farmsteads, particularly in the Yates County area. Um, so that's that's kind of a unique feature in our watershed. Um, I mean, obviously, our, we're not exactly um, bursting at the seams here right now, where it's a fairly slow growth. So that that may help us um, be more direct and careful um, in how we developed going
0: forward. But it's certainly an element that that is part of the ninety, and we want to keep an eye on. Any discussion of water quality these days includes Habs, harmful algal blooms. Are we getting any closer to to figuring out what's causing these and how to prevent them?
1: Yeah, so it's it's tricky, right? Because they're they're a natural part of the system; they've been here all along. Um, but obviously, we we've we've seen the the blooms occurring in the last five to ten years more frequently and more intensely. So that raises the the questions of of what's causing that. Nutrients are are the biggest um, biggest concern. That seems to be the strongest link to why they're occurring. And if you see small, we've seen small trends, uh, and increase in increasing nutrient loading, a lot of it driven by changes in precipitation. Uh, just again, getting that idea of transport, there's just more rain and more intense rain as a lot of people have seen themselves, I think. Um, and that's washing more soil and causing more erosion. Uh, but there are other things to keep an eye on too. There's a lot of emerging research that there's a strong link with the presence of, um, the invasive quagga and zebra mussels that are now in all the finger lakes um, they they seem to uh, preferentially feed on on other plankton species allowing the habs to outcompete them um, and then temperature wind actually the orientation of lakes have been shown to be have be a factor so obviously certain things we can't control we can't change the shape of the lake um, but we can get those nutrients out of control we can hopefully find a way to reduce the zebra mussel population you know that's a that's a big one and that may be beyond us locally but it's it's something we could try to support um so it's it's a broad range of things that are linked to the proliferation of habs
0: what can the average person do to help in this effort i know uh, one of the things i've learned discussing these issues over the years is you don't have to live right on the lakeshore to be part of that watershed and to have a concern
1: yeah, absolutely not. I mean, every every drop of water, water that falls in in the watershed, you know, where where does it go? Um So the thing you can do when when a, when rain falls onto the ground it has a couple of different pathways it can go into. So it can either be taken up by vegetation and ultimately it'll transpire and respirate back into the atmosphere. It can percolate into the soil and down into the groundwater or it can run over the surface of the landscape into surface waters. And that last one is really the one we're trying to reduce the proportion of rainfall that's ending up as runoff. So all of us can do something about that. Um, You can think of like a rain bale at the end of your roof. Uh, If you have a large amount of land that's covered in grass and you don't want it to be all covered in grass, plants and trees, they'll soak up a lot more water. there's anything you can do to get that water into the ground or back in the atmosphere instead of running off into the streams is a great way that to to help us out. And anywhere you live, you can do that. We've the seen a number of right.
0: <laughs> right. We, we've seen a number of communities adopt lake friendly living and or lake friendly farming programs. Are, are those catching on? And is that an indication that the public is becoming more aware and buying in?
1: Yeah, definitely. I definitely think there's uh, there's more more awareness as we've gone forward. We've seen um, just through the, the public events we've held as the 9E, uh, I think our first meeting, we had somewhere around 40 to 50 people. Um, the one yesterday, we had over a hundred people attending. We're getting over a thousand downloads. Um, of views of the video recordings. So there's definitely increasing awareness around everything going on. And and the Lake Friendly Living is an excellent program. I mean, that, that's that been an, an enormous success for uh, Pure Waters and the other lake associates around the Finger Lake. So there's no question there's increased awareness um, around the entire watershed and the, and the whole
0: region as a whole. Are there any more of these public uh, input events coming up in the near future? Yeah, so the
1: we have one more... Uh, one more plan for the 90 before the, the the project is wrapped up and the document completed, and that'll be all on April 25th at 6 p.m. in Pinyan at the Yates County uh, Office Complex, um, and that will be both in person and and available Zoom. So if you can't make it in person, we'll we'll
0: have a digital version so you can view from the comfort of your home if you want. All right, Ian Smith is the Seneca Watershed steward working on the 9E, the 9Element plant. Always good to talk with you, and uh, we'll keep following this, and, and best of luck doing the work going forward. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.